Today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast is proudly sponsored by Bespoke Brewing Solutions. Bespoke Brewing Solutions designs and manufactures equipment that allows breweries to produce high-quality craft beverages with increased cost-effectiveness and faster turnaround times. The BBS team has eight years of solid teamwork together and more than 10 years' worth of experience in manufacturing brewing equipment. BBS now has representatives around the world in America, Australia, New Zealand and, of course, China. Having a team in China that speaks the local language allows BBS to oversee all aspects of their clients' projects, from initial layout designs all the way through to equipment testing before shipping. BBS has equipment represented in 16 countries, which means they've sourced equipment and designed brew house configurations for every type of brewery you can imagine in every situation. BBS also offers consulting services from brewery commissioning, recipe formulation and equipment training on brew day to the packaging of your finished product. If you've never started a brewery before, they're here to help. And if you're an experienced brewer, they speak your language. Visit bespokebrewingsolutions.com. That's bespokebrewingsolutions.com to get in touch with one of the team to discuss your project ideas and to show you the bespoke way. I'm Nick Law. And you're listening to the Hop Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hop Forward is a weekly podcast dedicated to the craft beer industry, featuring interviews, discussions and stories from the whole brewing supply chain from grain to glass. So grab yourself a glass, pour yourself a beer and get ready to hop forward in the brewing and beer business. Hello, beer nerds, and welcome to another sesh on the Hot 4 podcast. Cast your mind back to the first time you had an India Pale Ale. Perhaps your first encounter with these high ABV hoppy beers was an old school English style IPA, probably brewed with a big hit of Cascade hops. Maybe it was something a bit more modern, such as Brewdog's flagship beer, Punk IPA, or even Oak Male's Citra. If you live elsewhere in the world, the USA perhaps, your first IPA may have been Anchor Brewing's Liberty Ale or even Goose Island IPA. Mine, as avid listeners to the Hot 4 podcast will already know, was the delicious bitter tones of Thornbridge's Jaipur. At a whopping 5.9% ABV, <laughs> strong as far as beers went back in the early noughties, this hot bomb had all the pithiness and citrus flavours we've come to know and love in IPAs. It was beautifully balanced against a clean, multi backdrop, and to round it off was a beautiful, pale, crystal clear beer with a thick white head. A far cry from the modern IPAs we're accustomed to today. IPAs come in all shapes and sizes these days, and many of them are extremely hazy, have little to no bitterness, and are outrageously juicy. If the saying from the jams going underground is true, the public gets what the public wants, then it's little wonder that these hazy IPAs are largely what dominate the craft beer drinking market. However, make no mistake, lager is still the biggest selling category of beer by and large. But IPAs that fill our shelves, fridges and tap lines sell in droves and bucket loads. I don't know about you, but these days I'm finding it harder to retain my mojo for IPAs. Many of them are much of a muchness, if I'm brutally honest, using Citra, Simcoe and Mosaic as the holy trinity of hoppiness. I've lost count of all the, albeit tasty, but less memorable IPAs I've consumed over the last couple of years. When I do taste an IPA that stands out, 
I often take note. Usually this comes down to some variants, such as using exclusively British hops, as you'll hear in a forthcoming episode in an experiment I'm working on. Interesting malts, perhaps, or just some other differentiating factor that isn't a lactose addition. This is why when I got sent some cans from Standard Bruco a few months back and cracked one open to accompany my habitual homemade pizza Saturday family tea, I was really taken back. Even more so because the hops that we used were, you guessed it, Citra and Mosaic. This cryo-hopped IPA was refreshing, fruity, and had an aromatic punch that knocks you out upon opening the can. But it also had sufficient bitterness while being a hazy IPA and the perfect balance for me to sit up and take note. Plus, it went very well with the saltiness of my pizza. Not only was it a damn good beer, but Standard Bruco have an intriguing business model. Standard Bruco is a customer-owned subscription-based brewery shipping exclusively small batch IPAs direct to drinkers' doors every month. And every subscriber receives shares in the business just by virtue of them buying beer. In a day and age where there are announcements nearly on a daily basis that breweries are shutting up shop due to the effects of the pandemic and the cost of living crisis, can an IPA subscription model really work as a viable business? I was intrigued and impressed enough by Standard Bruco's IPA to invite Milo Oddi, founder of the brewery, onto the show to find out. In this episode, we discuss, obviously, IPAs and their flavours. We look at contract brewing and some of the challenges that you'd expect from partnering with other breweries. We talk about Milo's experience of working in the hospitality industry and having connections to breweries, which helped him along the way. We discuss the challenges of posting regularly to social media and marketing your business while running a brewery. And of course, we get into a discussion about our mutual love of making the perfect pizza. Stay tuned for that. But first, we've got a few announcements from our sponsors and friends of Hot Forward. So if you're looking for your next adventure in beer, get a load of this. Bature Brewery are looking for an experienced brewer willing to take on a three to six month placement at the frontier of the craft beer market in Nigeria. The role is to provide mentorship to the existing brew team and head of production in key areas such as brew scheduling, SOP development and compliance, quality control and packaging and general brew house activity. They're offering accommodation on site, return flights and a visa. It's $2,000 or £1,500, depending on where in the world you listen to this, uh, a month salary, uh, food allowance package, unlimited beer, naturally, uh, working with a great team and obviously a unique experience. The start date is in June this year, 2022. So that sounds like the adventure of a lifetime. Contact co-founder Kevin Conroy with a brief covering note and your CV to kevin at baturebrewery.com. That's kevin at b-a-t-u-r-e brewery.com and they will take it from there. 
Not only is Hot Forward a brewing industry dedicated podcast, but we also provide creative media solutions and consultancy for companies and people who are looking to get ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hot Forward works with a range of diverse enterprises from across the world of beer to provide branding and marketing consultancy, brewing and business advice, and bespoke creative solutions to help you hot rocket your way to success. Check out hotforward.beer for more info or connect with us on social media at Hot Forward Beers. Finally, don't forget to thank our sponsors who make this show possible on a weekly basis. Today's episode of the Hot Forward Podcast is proudly sponsored by Bespoke Brewing Solutions. Bespoke Brewing Solutions designs and manufactures equipment that allows breweries to produce high-quality craft beverages with increased cost-effectiveness and faster turnaround times. The BBS team has eight years of solid teamwork together and more than 10 years worth of experience in manufacturing brewing equipment. BBS now has representatives around the world in America, Australia, New Zealand, and of course, China. Having a team in China that speaks the local language allows BBS to oversee all aspects of their clients' projects from initial layout designs all the way through to equipment testing before shipping. BBS has equipment represented in 16 countries which means they've sourced equipment and designed brew house configurations for every type of brewery you can imagine in every situation. BBS also offers consulting services from brewery commissioning, recipe formulation and equipment training on brew day to the packaging of your finished product. If you've never started a brewery before, they're here to help. And if you're an experienced brewer, they speak your language. Visit bespokebrewingsolutions.com. That's bespokebrewingsolutions.com to get in touch with one of the team to discuss your project ideas and to show you the bespoke way. For now, grab a beer and let's crack open today's discussion. This week on the Hot Four podcast, I'm joined by Milo Oddy, the MD behind the latest brewery and beer subscription service, Standard Brewing Co. Hello. Hello. How's it going? I'm all right. Thank you. It's the end of a, a long day, nearly the end of a long week. So, yeah, be glad when it's over. Yeah. <laughs> what about yourself? Almost there. Almost there. Yeah, yeah same, same. Yeah. Same, same. We've got a couple beers running at the moment in the tank. So, I'm pretty excited about that. But, uh, I'm just waiting for that to kind of kick off. So I'm <laughs> cool. at the stage of just waiting around. Yep. Well, <laughs> well be, be, before we, we start chatting about the brewery and stuff, I, I'm going to crack this beer open. So um, this is your beer, right? Standard Bruco, IPA number three. While I crack this open, can you just tell me a little bit about this beer? Yeah, so this is actually only our third ever beer. Um, like I said, we're a brand new brewery. So we started in the summer. So our third ever beer. We're only doing IPAs, and this is quite a classic hop combo of Citra Cryo and Mosaic. You can definitely you smell can... it when you open it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's In what a good I was way. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, you can't smell it through the podcast, but yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> well, soon come. But uh, yeah, you know, we've used this Burton uh, New England dry yeast from uh, Lalamond, which is great, which always goes down a sweet treat, basically. Oh yeah. So, pretty happy with it yeah i do you know i um because I, I got sent a few of these and i remember the first time i opened it this is the reason i reached out to you to get on the show i was absolutely blown away by it i've not had one since then i mean we're talking 
a good few weeks back now. I've not had one cracked one open since, but um, yeah. it, it, it is really good. I remember because every Saturday with my family, this is like a bit of a ritual. We, we have homemade pizza and it's yeah. um, it's a good food to pair with IPAs. And yeah, I, I get yeah, sent a lot yeah. of different beers and mo- most of which tend to be IPAs. So you can get a little bit accustomed to them sometimes yeah, and sometimes you can be like oh man no, they no. can be a bit samey exactly not another hazy ipa or you just get stuck with the same flavors yeah exactly I was, I was actually a little bit worried about that when when i kind of chose the kind of mosaic citra combo i did think oh people have had this before maybe maybe it's not going to work and people are just going to be bored of it but i'm really happy with the way it came out people seem to be enjoying it at least so it's it it's hard to put my finger on it's one of the more memorable hazy ipas i've had for a long time and again i think partly because it instantly hit me when i opened that in this in the way the first time i opened it i was like oh wow you can smell the hops there <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. and um the the just there's something about it that it it's it's got that sort of soft fruity mm. pillowiness that people often describe with with neepers but yeah there's and ever so only only subtle and ever so slight bitterness to it, but only yeah. just enough to kind of carry it through like over the finish line. Sometimes it can be a little bit like Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's it almost it almost feels like too thin if it didn't have that bitterness, I would say. It would, mm. Like it would be like on the way, but the bitterness kind of saves it a little bit. Yeah. But it's it's a fant- I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast, but it is a fantastic yeah. it is a fantastic oh, beer. So let, yeah. let's let's just go back to the start. I mean, just, just talk yeah. to me about the brewery, um, the business model, and and why you've chosen to focus on IPAs. Yeah, I mean, I just I've since I've you know I've been working in hospitality for about ten years, and I've always worked in kind of craft beer bars or pubs or different places and funny you mentioned pizza i was actually a pizza chef for quite yeah, a while wow, there you go. <laughs> but, but that's probably where i learned about yeast um, <laughs> but uh yeah i kind of started in all these craft beer bars and we were i at the time i, I was living in brent um working at i think it was the beer and burger in uh wilsden um they just opened it's kind of craft beer bottle shop and i just moved back from new zealand uh, where I was for like a year, essentially. Mm. And I started working there and I started tasting all these amazing beers. I obviously had tried lots of IPAs before and I tried lots of stuff before, but I'd never kind of been exposed to this incredible range of different styles of IPAs and beers. And I enjoyed all the beers. Um, but what kind of piqued my interest was, how do you make this? You know, how do yep. you do this? I started doing it at home. Um, we started pots and pans, <laughs> yeah. uh, cool, cool box with like a tap drilled into yeah. it. You know, it was, I think like ninety nine percent of people listening to this podcast will be able to relate to that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's quite fun. It's it's a great way. You know, me and my flatmates at the time were doing it, and it was great fun. It stank, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was great fun. But it, it meant that you know we've always had, uh, well, at least I've I've always been quite the kind of host when it comes to a party or when it comes to even work, hospitality. Mm. That's the reason I did hospitality for 10 years. And uh, usually that just means cooking for people, cooking pizzas or, you know, whatever, making cocktails. But making the beer was like the one step up. It was, what are we going to do to make this party so much fun? 
and memorable for people. We're going to make our own beer and stick it <laughs> in a brick in the garden <laughs> or in a cool box. Oh, oh, nice. <laughs> See what happens. And we were surprised because the first one we did actually tasted like something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, you expect just water. It was, it was, you have no idea what's going to come out. You have no idea what you're doing at that point. I kind of had a very basic one hop, one malt recipe. <laughs> And uh, eventually we kind of extended that and changed it a little bit every time, changed one little thing. And to the point where I was, okay, started to understand a little bit what's going on. Obviously it was never very good because when you're fermenting in your cupboard, it, <laughs> yeah. it's, so good. <laughs> it's only so good it can be, but yeah, it was great fun. Um, so after that, I kind of went into uh, beer and burger who were kind of expanding at the time. And they had their core kind of lager and core pale, which they were contracting out in somewhere in the middle of nowhere, essentially, kind of small brewery. And they weren't very good beers at the time. I was like, why don't you let me just go see what's going on over there? And I can help you out, maybe. <laughs> I might not know anything, but I might know <laughs> like a little more than you guys. So, so I went to this brewery um, and it was just a bunch of cowboys, essentially. And they were, you know, being messy and not clean and whatever. And I was like, why'd you do this? And they're like, yeah, just because, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. <laughs> like, this can't be right. <laughs> Something's up here. <laughs> so I told them, I was like, look, you were, you've got this fantastic business in the middle of London. Why don't you, you work with all these local breweries in London? Why don't you? ask one of these small, amazing breweries in London to help you out. And I basically started doing that as well as being a GM for uh, their pub, basically. Right. And that's how I started getting a bit more knowledge, doing that, going on different brew days and just sponging off anyone who was willing to let me. Yeah, awesome. So, so which, just out of interest, which breweries did you happen to go around? Uh, I went to quite a few. I ended up quite a few different places. Um, we, at, so One Mile End, uh, right. Bohem, uh, a lot of those kind of Tottenham-based breweries. Uh, I remember doing one at Braybrook. Oh, yeah. And Countryside, they were great. Um, you know, even some of the bigger breweries that we didn't even necessarily stop, like Camden and stuff. I've, just ask anyone, they're going to, basically free labor isn't it yeah, yeah oh yeah totally <laughs> so yeah and basically anyone who was willing to uh give us the time of day was was great was, for me it was great because i tried reading all the books but they you know if there's only so much you can learn from that especially like me personally i don't really learn very well from just reading something mm. just in then out straight away essentially so like you were doing that for a bit and then just talk me through the next bit to get into where you are today yeah so uh lockdown happened uh worked all the way through lockdown hospitality uh did some menu development for a pub helping them make a pizza menu uh helped another pub kind of turn into a bottle shop kind of thing over lockdown and doing just a lot of a lot of kind of pub work, essentially, mm. uh, managing bars, managing pubs. And eventually I was sick of it. I was, I can't do this anymore. This is wildly stressful, 70 hours a week plus, and it's just not good for your mental health and your physical health. And you're so tired. 
was like, I need out of hospitality. I knew I wanted to go into the beer industry, but I didn't quite know what to do. And mm. I kind of looked at all the connections that I had from over the years and decided, fuck it, I'm just going to plunge in, see what happens. And uh, yeah, now I'm basically contract brewing out of uh, One Mile End in uh, Tottenham. Really great guys. Yep. Really, really helpful for me. You know, if I'm doing anything wildly wrong, they'll be like, why have you done that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so are you, are you going in and brewing the beer yourself? Like, uh, so we're contract brewing. Oh, you can't, you, but you can't, yeah, okay. Yeah, but because, because I know them reasonably well, they let me just kind of use them as an office so I can, you know, check temperatures on a regular basis. Oh, right, basis. I see, yeah. You know, because it's quite close to where I live in um, North London and State Newington. It's, you know, a cycle away for me, so it's mm. perfect. Yeah, I think with contract brewing, I think that's one of the things like, um, I mean, it's something I'd explored a few years ago um, and I was talking to some brewers from across the country, but it's always that thing, isn't it? Particularly if, you, if you're quite, you are a brewer um, on whatever level and, you know, you've, you've got that knowledge. It's, it's always a little bit nerve wracking to put your beer in someone else's hands because particularly that you think, well, they might not care about it as mm. much as they do their own and so on. So, you know, having the ability to go in and, and just make sure things are ticking along. Yeah, just yeah. Right. I had a good relationship with them as well because I'd been working in pubs for so long and always been ordering their beer. Mm. It's kind of, it's helped a lot along the way, you know, having these hospitality connections yep. has been really helpful. Yeah. So what are some of the challenges you found when it comes to contract brewing? Oh, there's just many, many challenges. There's... Uh, luckily, because of where I've worked, those places are, I haven't left it badly with those places, so they're willing to stock it and help me out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's finding finding time to do everything is is really hard. Mm. It's Even if you're a contract brewing, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like if you were opening a brewery by yourself or with even just two other people would be crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, finding, finding the time is, is just finding the time to make sales, to do the marketing, to, you know, put your socials up and whatnot is find it quite difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think social media is it's a, still a, fun though, but. <laughs> well, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I've been thinking about this a, a lot recently. I think in some people's minds, it's just like, oh, you just put a post on Facebook, but it's kind of like, it's really not like that. <laughs> you know, it no. takes to write all the captions, get all the right hashtags, make sure it's formatted for the right platform to make sure that you've got a story version of something you want to post, but that's in a different format, making sure they're all slightly different. There's so, so, so many different things So to many do. little things that you forget. Exactly. You realize, yeah. Just for one bit of content. And um, and that's that's just one aspect. It is it is no wonder a lot of brewers either employ like a social media manager or um, yeah. just don't oh, yeah. do it because it's just like you know it's again being a brewer myself. Like I remember there'd be times where I'd be mashing in and I set my phone on timer, balance mm. it on one of the timber beams, and then <laughs> climb up on the mash tun and hope that I got a good photo. And then if I didn't. You know, I'd do it again, but then I'd be checking out oh, and no, me to yeah, up the thing. Yeah. Running out of time. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've I mean I've had to reach out to a few friends and be like, is this does does this work if I if I post this? <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Does this make sense? <laughs> 
So, um, talk to me about the IPA model and then the, the subscription model. So, how, how does this work? Because obviously, you know, you've you've set up this brand and and this yeah. um, this contract brewery, but it seems to me that you're trying to go for a slightly different business model. So, can you just explain yeah. it and your thinking it's, behind it? I think you know the way it started with all that kind of sharing and hosting. For like, how can we get people really invested and wanting to be involved with this and there's you know there's no better feeling than someone tasting your beer and being like oh that was nice it's a bit like cooking there's no better feeling than someone being like oh wow that's really good Mm. and how can we get people to really be involved in this kind of journey because obviously i'm still a very much rookie home brewer but you know it's evolving with every brew now obviously brew number three i was really happy with brew number four i'm it's on the way to being very happy. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it comes out really happily. But um, I thought if we give what better way to kind of get people involved than to actually make people part of the business. Yeah. It might mean in three years, absolutely nothing because <laughs> the business is worth nothing. <laughs> but I hope not. <laughs> yeah. I hope that in a few years it's worth something. We can give away some dividends or, you know, we can make it essentially... We're awarding the shares, so you're not paying for the shares. You're just paying for the beer, and if you like the beer, you just happen to get some shares with it. Yeah, which is just it's just an easy win, basically, mm. for the customer at least. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how do you feel that subscription services fit in today's beer drinking experience, especially when it's all like one style of beer? Because I know, like, when people subscribe to like beer boxes, are often you know you, you'll get like a a, th- a themed box whether it's german Same, beers yeah. or whatever when it comes to ipas just talk me through how you see one beer style fitting with a subscription service yeah i think you kind of got to stick to what you're good at right you got to stick to what you know and i think what i know is ipas if you told me to make a sour it would come out awfully <laughs> i wouldn't want to know what it tastes like <laughs> i mean i'm sure i could make a recipe but it wouldn't be very good yeah <laughs> um and I think with a lot of these boxes, you get maybe three or four beers that you really like, and then three or four that you're like, oh, I kind of wish I didn't have those in that box. I wish I just had three of the other or six of the other. Mm. Um, so I, I think there is there is space for it. There is space for just having a really simple subscription where you just get six of a beer. And if you like it, you can share it with your mates, you can share it with your family, you know. Whereas if you get uh, maybe a six pack, but it's one, like six different cans, you can't exactly share that with many people. You Mm. you might be able to, but if they're three 30 mil cans, even if they're 440, if there's three of you, you're going to be like, how are we going to split this? I guess that's the the hospitality side of you coming out. You know, for what, what yeah. I'm hearing is, is you know, you, you're talking about like parties and hospitality and, and so on. Um, uh, you know, and I, I, I almost feel like, particularly with COVID and stuff and mm. lockdowns, we've almost lost the art of hospitality and, and, and people sharing beer, particularly people who are like actually into beer. Chances that, that mm. you know, people listen to this podcast where you want to try a different beer every time and so on and so forth. Yeah, and, yeah. um, you know, you you can end up as I was talking to um, Dave Hayward from a hoppy place recently right. about this, saying that you know it's, it's really not good to just be sat alone drinking by yourself yeah. these big yeah, beers. Yeah. Whereas you know, if you've got like um, 
you, you know, if you if you're hosting a party and there's some good beers there, you mm. know, like um but but you know, not in a way that it's like, oh wow, you know, you've really got to sit down and analyze this lambic. You know, just a kind of nice sessionable beer that's an accompaniment to whatever is is you're yeah, doing. Yeah. You know, there's something really special about that. And I feel like we've lost that art a bit. Yeah. And I think there's still a, there's still a time and place for having your your special beers that you don't necessarily get every Yeah, totally. And I think there's there's definitely a time and place for those styles of subscription. I just think there's stuck there's a time and place for multiple different aspects of it. You know. Yeah. I mean, you can go to a bottle shop, and if I go to a bottle shop, I'm not going to get the most basic thing in there. I'm probably going to try and find something I haven't tried before, or something new. Yeah. But if I'm going to order something to my house, I might not necessarily get something completely new. Mm. I'm quite curious, actually, just as I finish off um, this IPA number three, um, like a a couple of things. Um, How much of the input did you have when it comes to developing the recipe? Did you talk through with the contract brewery, um, you know, the the kind of thing you're after or were you Mm. quite specific? And the other thing I'm just kind of noting is like it's, again – like it's rare that I'll come to the end of a, a a hazy IPA and think, you know, I could I could totally drink another one of those. But <laughs> I, I could actually totally drink another one of those. Yeah, and I, mean, that, I think that's that, yeah. But I, you know, I think that's I, I think that's really rare in that kind of beer. Like in in maybe something like a you know, if I went to a, a pub that had a really good pint of London Pride on, I could definitely mm. just <laughs> drink that all night. Yeah. Um, yeah. But with, with, with IPAs, I'm normally like, yeah, I'm kind of done now, but like mm. I, I totally could drink another one of those. Yeah. Um, so I guess the two questions off the back of that are like um, your input into the recipe development. And secondly, yeah, I mean, it's, what, it's all my recipe. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I, they're there to help me as well. So if I, was to say, you know, if I added this much of that, uh, like, do you think that's a terrible idea? Like, I think... If I had lactose to an IPA, is that a bad idea? Yes. I had, like, some kind of crazy idea. I was like, what if, like, I made, like, a pine syrup and put it in? Would that work? And they were like, you could do that, but... (laughs) (laughs) A bit dangerous. Uh, (laughs) You know, but... They're there to calm me down a bit, basically. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, I mean, what? What? No, it's all my recipe. It's all my okay. recipe. Okay. So, what? What do you think makes a good IPA then? I think there's there's multiple things that can make a good IPA. You know, I like I like my beers to be drinkable. I like to be able to drink it. But don't get me wrong. I'm still just because I can't have a whole big bottle of Cantillon doesn't mean I don't love it. <laughs> you know, I still love it. <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't necessarily drink the whole massive thing i just think uh what makes good ipa just has to be well balanced basically i think this is the most important thing it doesn't matter how strong it is or how hoppy it is it just has to be a balanced drink yeah like any beer it just has to be a well-made beer essentially and like it that it's so easy to say but um having come off the back recently of doing beer judging where there were a lot of ipas got to taste um, mm. you know, a, a well-brewed IPA isn't all that easy. There, there were some absolutely like right. smashing examples. I was just like, yeah, actually, you know, some of these are just really well-made, but there were some yeah. that were just so unbalanced. Um, acetaldehyde, you know, diacetyl, all sorts, yeah. you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
and um, you know, it's you, you do. I think I think you tend to take or one tends to take well brewed beers um, for granted, but then mm. you, you, if you think about what the kind of beers often that bottle shops stock nationally. You know, obviously a lot, if you go to, I don't know, Whitby or Sheffield yeah. or Bristol or wherever, they'll obviously have their own local beers there. But like, yeah, I mean, I was in a bottle shop in Whitby in April and, um, you know, I walked in and I was like, oh, Abbeydale Brewery, I'm from Sheffield, Abbeydale Brewery, you know, yeah. I can buy that in Sheffield and, um, you know, brew by numbers and Cloudwater and all, or, you know, and what I really wanted was something local. Now, yeah. I know they've only got like one brewery in Whitby, Whitby, Brewery, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. But I think it just goes to show that actually, um, maybe they don't stock that much from elsewhere. Because may- maybe, well, part- partly logistically, but may- maybe you know, just there's a reason people stock all those uh, quote unquote Premier League yeah. breweries. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went to um, recently to Reading uh, yeah. to visit Double Barrels. They make fantastic beers. I had them on the show them. this morning, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. I asked them, like, where can I get some, like, really good, like, local beers? And, you know, they obviously pointed me to, like, the local bottle shop kind of thing. And I went there and I asked the bottle shop, I was like, hey, where can I get some really, like, can you show me some something that I probably can't get in London? And, you know, they pointed out the obvious ones, you know, your siren, double barreled. And I explained to them, I was like, no, I don't, like, I work in a bottle shop. I just, is there anything that I might not be able to get? And then, you know, right at the bottom of the fridge, there's like this bottle. She was like, oh, got this. It's brewed in a guy's garage down the road, but it's really good. Give it a go. So I had it. It was incredible. It was like the night, such a good sour. Oh, it, was, nice. it was called Dolphin Brewery, I think. Never it is. No, it was great. I was so impressed. But, but that's, isn't that just amazing, though, when you come across um, those kind of breweries and stuff? I mean, again, Queen Max Double Barrel, I was talking to Lucy um, just this morning and she was saying how um, they um, their first outing they'd paid to go to Crappier Rising which was a lot of money but they were bringing their garage yeah. so they had all these people like Melissa Cole and Pete Brown come over and be like wow you know these this brewery you should really watch out for them. they're amazing they were just like oh, yeah. how can we never heard of you it's like because we made it in our garage <laughs> that, yeah. that's a little bit like I don't know if you've heard of uh, Middle Child um, yeah, I've heard them. Yeah, yeah. so um, I don't think I've tried them before, but I've definitely oh, heard the name. Oh my word, they're insanely good beers. Like, it, just yeah. again, it's only like 100 litres out, but just incredible. That they did a um, a wee heavy, which is barrel aged mm. in um, I can't remember whether it was Fraser or Sam had, had got a, a friend or a relative to get hold of a, a barrel from the states that had, had like bourbon in it. And okay. um, they brought it over as hand luggage. And so they've wow. got like this little barrel that does like holds like, you know, 20 litres, whatever. Yeah. And they um, they did this wee heavy, put it in it, and they sent me a bottle of it. And I was just like, this is just like <laughs> unreal. You know, it's yeah. seriously, you could, you could, if somebody said, are oh, you drinking something from fine ales or cloud water? Yeah. yeah. You'd have totally believed it. You know, and it's, wow. it's amazing that there are, you know, these small breweries out there that are making such quality beer, you know. Yeah, it's great. I think it's really, really good. It's, it's amazing that they managed even to get into these bottle shops as well, which is, I think it's really cool. That yeah. If you're a bottle shop and you're selling something from someone's garage, that's like, that's great. Yeah. Well, I think as well, because um, I know when I started Emmanuel's, which is my 
brewery and brand, it's 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 kind of gone um, a bit full circle. So I, I started here in my house. I then mm. uh, got a job as the head brewer at the Sheffield Brewery Company for a while and took mm. the brand with me. So I brewed it out there. And then yeah. when I left Sheffield Brewery, it came back here. Um, but when I, I when I started Emmanuel's um, commercially in 2015, like um, you know, th- there weren't that many people brewing out of like their home, uh, mm. or, or or on a small like I was sort of cookie brewing out of Sheffield Brewery on their pilot kit, which did yeah. 100 liters, which at the time was like massive. I was like, oh my word, I'm making 100 <laughs> liters. That's like nine or ten cases of beer, you know. Um, and um, well exactly well yeah I did (laughs) Um, and you know but like back then you know like bottle shops you know they might take a bit of a punt on you because it was like there were even relatively speaking that many breweries whereas now there's like over 2,000 or 2,500 or whatever it is some silly number you know and it's kind of like oh you, you got a brewery as well you know Everyone yeah, and their yeah. dog's got a brewery, so it's um, it 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 makes it even harder. I mean, how, how have you how have you find found it as as a brand um, and a new brand entering the market? Have you you know um, what what's it like entering a market where it's just like saturated with beer, particularly yeah. <laughs> hazy IPAs? Yeah, no, it is difficult. It is difficult. I have found, uh, you know, apart from finding it hard to get the time just to go around giving people the beer to get get the name out there mm. um that's difficult but it, the actual kind of beer scene has been everyone's been quite friendly about it everyone's quite welcoming because other breweries also want to try new beer yeah what i found so we we actually managed to tag on to the london craft beer christmas market right that was so, recently uh, wasn't it yeah, it was like a couple, like maybe three weekends yeah, or so yeah. ago. And uh, I managed to tag on with Beer and Burger because I worked for them for so long. <laughs> I was like, well, you have to take me. As <laughs> <Yeah. beer."> so, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I was pouring beer um, with them uh, under the kind of proviso of Standard Bruco, uh, which was helping out quite a lot. And, you know, people were so excited that there was someone that they hadn't heard of there which was, for me, was great because I also had other breweries coming over and being like, oh, swap beer or, you know, <laughs> the guy selling donuts over there, oh, you want a donut? I'll have a beer. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what beer can buy, out, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I thought, I thought it was going to be way more kind of cliquey, kind of hear all this stuff about it being, everyone being a bit involved with each other and they don't want new people coming in, but it's not, I, it wasn't like that at all. I found people to be so welcoming and really nice. Yeah. Yeah, but that's always been my experience, to be honest with you. Uh, I've got a friend who's a coffee roaster. He's also a home brewer as well. And um, I remember him saying to me how um, when it comes to like him boring ingredients or whatever to make beers, everyone's all like, oh, yeah, you know, have some of this or I'll give you some yeast or whatever. He says when it comes to coffee, it's like a closely guarded secret. You know, yeah. and yeah. people take offense just that you're even asking for any advice. Yeah. And he yeah. says, it's, it's, he says, you just don't, you won't find it in any other industry. No one shares resources really? and knowledge like wow. they do in beer. And yeah. It's, but that's what I've always found, you know. I was so pleasantly surprised. I was really kind of expecting the worst, went in with kind of, you know, all your worries and stuff and came out just being like, wow, that was really, really good. 
Yeah, if, if, I've everyone's dead right, you know, and I've I've always been able to like you know either get on the phone or I mean I've I've spoken to complete strangers sometimes just through um, there's a Facebook group called the UK Brewing and Beer and Professionals or there's one in the states obviously I'm yeah. now in the USA called the Craft Beer Professionals but you know like I've sometimes I've like had people literally be like I've asked a question like oh they'll message me say here's my number give me a chat. You know, give me yeah. give me a call and we'll we'll chat about it. And I've phoned up and had a like a forty minute conversation about carbonation or something with some <laughs> somebody who I I can't even remember their name or what brewery they yeah, represented. Yeah, you never know. even met. Exactly, and I might never speak to it again. But you know, it's just like the fact that they're willing to share that level of knowledge and just say, yeah, you know, well, why don't you try this? And if you spun yeah, yeah. spun your beer and you know. Um, each gravity point will produce this too much CO2 at yeah, this yeah. temperature and so on. It's just like, it's, it's, it is amazing, you know. No, it's great. Um, yeah, I'm very, very happy it kind of landed like that. Also, I did the um, independent label market. I think it's run by Five Points. Right. Because the London Brewers Market is kind of runs alongside it, I believe. And uh, I did that and it was in the pouring rain, but there was still this kind of like camaraderie yeah, of yeah. everyone in the pouring rain, really cold on a winter's day, just on the Saturday, just being like, anyone want a beer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, I guess it's must be, it must be something about independent makers in particular. Mm. Um, although I, I guess off the back of our conversation, it'd be interesting to know whether, you know, bakers, for example, are sh- sharing sourdough yeasts and, Bread knowledge, ah, <laughs> oh, you want to need it like this, not that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think it does happen a lot with kitchens because uh, you know I've I've worked in kitchens for well a few short stints, I would say. You right. Know? Uh, generally, only as a pizza chef, but I went into a kitchen to help them develop a pizza menu. The head chef there was still the head chef running the kind of kitchen, but he didn't know very much about pizza, so they kind of got me in. And, uh, you know, he was willing to have me there. He, like, I wasn't stepping on his ground or anything. I was just helping out. I was there for maybe three months, made a, helped them make a pizza menu, and then left him with it and buggered off, basically. Nice. <laughs> um, I'm going to go a bit off, off piece with this next question. Never asked this before of any guest on the podcast. Oh. But, like, how do you make the perfect pizza? Now I've got you. I've talked about my homemade pizza <laughs> recipes, and I, I always say they're world famous, but I'm sure yours put mine to shame. So, like, just just talk talk me and my listeners through. Humor me for a minute. How do you make the perfect pizza? How do you make the perfect pizza? Um, what what style of pizza do you like? Oh God, um, uh, you like thin and crispy, or do you uh, want the Wellington style? Um, I don't Are want you it using to... a pizza oven or just a kitchen oven. I'm just using kitchen oven, but I'm, I'm whacking right. it to full temperature. Um, okay. to, to yeah. just help the the yeast rise. You put it um, in a pan, or uh, I've got a like a tray with holes in the bottom. Yeah, that's all right. That's that's good. I, I use those in my kitchen oven. Yeah, I like a nice nice like the crust needs to be nice and sort of poofy. Yeah, but I don't you, want the base to be poofy. Okay, so the the most common mistake is people use way too much yeast. Right, right. Ah, okay. So like. Most like the common kind of pizza recipe online is going to tell you put a whole thing of dried yeast. Oh, no, I don't use that much. Yeah. So like you can literally put like a sprinkle, like 0.1 of a gram. Yeah. And you're going to be fine. You'll be all right. But what I would say is if you can use fresh yeast and even if you can use sourdough, basically. Ah. 
So if you can't be bothered to use sourdough by me, because I'm lazy, <laughs> um, <laughs> just get some fresh yeast. You can leave it in the freezer. It will last for ages. Okay. Um, and uh, you, for a kitchen oven, you probably want like 60% hydration, like 62% probably. So it will be kind of crispier. But if you have it too wet, it's, it's going to be soggy, essentially. Yep. So anything above 65 is going to be soggy. So what I would do, tiny bit of yeast. Yep. Um, put like maybe like all of your water and the same amount of flour in and you're with your yeast. Leave that out for a couple of hours in the warm. That will make a kind of like poolish kind of thing. Your yeast will get going. It will get a little bit sour, even though it's not sourdough. Um, stick that in the fridge overnight. In the morning, take it out, put the rest of your flour in with your salt, your olive oil, uh, any additional stuff you want to put in. If you want it crispy, put a tiny bit of sugar in or a bit of rye flour. Um, back in the fridge for, till the evening uh, or even till the next day. Then in the morning, uh, ball it up. And then you'll be good to go by lunch. I love it. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Or if you've got another day on your hands, ball it up, leave it in the fridge, balled up, and then... See, my, my, my pizza can go to a whole new level now. I, sp- <laughs> I suppose it's a little bit like, I mean, um, if, I was, if I was to use dried yeast, but rehydrate it a little bit like I do with the brewing yeast. Yeah. That's what that's what that first step is. Yeah, it sounded like it. Yeah, so yeah, so you just you just don't use a lot of it. Is the 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 problem is like everyone just puts like a whole bag of yeast in, has it in like an hour, and they get a tummy ache and they wonder why. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, just all right. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's just growing in your stomach. It's like you know, if you put if you put four kilos of yeast in one thousand liters of beer, you wouldn't feel very good afterwards. Yeah, no, totally. So bringing it back to beer then, what what kind of IPAs do you think go well with pizza? Like uh, the IPA styles, I mean. What what kind of IPA styles? Well, it, again, it depends. Uh, with your kind of spicier kind of pizzas, you can have New England with the kind of sweet touch will kind of cut through. And with your kind of more, you know, your, your kind of vegetable-based ones, which might not have as pungent flavors. So maybe no artichokes or something. If you had artichokes, you could use like a West Coast, could go really well with it. Mm. Some like kind of earthy kind of flavors. Maybe See, I've just discovered ar- artichokes recently. You know, yeah. like it's not something I've ever really, coming from a working class town on the North of Sheffield, it's not something you ever really came across. No, no, my, my, half of my family's from Italy. So, <laughs> right, okay. so you know, I've grown up going, been going to, uh, well, they all live, like, that side of my family all lives there. So uh, I've been going to Italy probably once a year since I was a kid. So, nice. you know, seeing them and being in, uh, in touch with those kind of feeds and stuff. Yep. So <laughs> it helps. <laughs> nice. So what, what, what kind of uh, beer would go well with a, a, a pizza with artichoke on it? Yeah, something earthy. Maybe even something with New Zealand tops would be really nice. You know, just mm. something with a bit more kind of, like, gut to it a bit more earth to it yep and then i think you know you can have a session ipa with like a margarita or a marinara or something with a little less maybe some like garlic will go quite well with it because you can just bang and bang (laughs) yeah okay and what about black ipa black ipa Ooh. maybe a black ipa you could go 
with maybe even still the artichoke, something with like quite pungent flavor, mm. something that you can really, I mean, don't think anything spicy, but I do think something like an artichoke or even uh, you can get these like, um, it's kind of like a wilted broccoli kind of thing that you get in Italy quite a lot. Um, and it's always kind of brined in like a garlicky vinegar. I think that would be really nice with kind of slightly maltier aspects. Nice. Yeah. What, what's your opinion on black IPAs? I know it's a beer style that defies opinion quite a lot. Yeah, I, I quite like them. Oh, I'm pro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pro. <laughs> yeah. Do you think? Do you think um, when it comes to brewing IPAs, you you can explore the IPA styles like black IPAs or like heritage IPAs, that kind of thing? Or? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, you know, there's the the fun of only doing IPAs. You can just go everywhere within IPA, can't you? Yeah. So, um, um, in January, I'm going to be using a bunch of New Zealand tops. It's going to be really fun. Uh, we're thinking about doing a kind of wheat grapefruit kind of ipa um inspired by uh shoffer hoffer everybody's right. favorite <laughs> 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 yeah maybe I, a bit stronger though <laughs> yeah i used to um work with a brewery uh called eyes brewing um mm. based in bradford they, they've um shut up shop several years ago now so the, which, which is quite sad but they yeah. um they used to brew a they were a wheat focused brewery so every beer they brewed was focused around wheat, but not necessarily in a kind of like a um, a hefeweizen kind of way. It, you yeah. Know, and and they did a a white wheat IPA, and it was just absolutely stunning. Mm. You know, um, and using wheat with I've forgotten, forgotten. Yeah, the, 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 I think there are lots of um, again. Uh, regular listeners to my show will know this is why the this beer ipa3 really sort of took me by surprise people know that i'm not the biggest hazy ipa fan it's not that mm. i don't like hops i love hops you know but i just like you said earlier that there are so many oh citra mosaic oh look citra which made us laugh when you were saying about yours being citra mosaic you know yeah, there, yeah. there are so many um beer alikes in the way that you know when the arctic monkeys came out all of a sudden it was like every band in sheffield was signed or from wherever, <laughs> as, as long as yeah, your band yeah. had either like a Cockney accent or a Yorkshire accent, you're fine, you know, because it was all like, I went down to the pub with my mates and all the rest of it. It's like, oh, I've heard that song before. You know, I, th I think with the IPA styles, like it's, it, I think like the Wheat IPA or another one I was going to suggest, um, a brewery called Cheshire Brewhouse to this um, heritage IPA called Govinda mm. using Chevalier Malt. And it's just, I remember the first time I ever had that and I was just like, Oh my goodness! This is just like a a, a revelation. You know, it was yeah. it was like it was it was deeply malty. Had this bready marmalade flavor from the malt, but then you got this like sourness almost to it. Um, it, it wasn't, but not like an off sourness. It was just like it, it's yeah, what you yeah. imagined IPAs to taste like back in the eighteenth and nineteenth century, traveling yeah, overseas. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah. Um, have you, have you thought through anything, anything anything like that yet or is that a bit down the road? I think it's, it's coming. I think everything's coming. I think 
you know, I haven't even done a West Coast one yet. Uh. <laughs> there's, there's, there's many things coming. There's many things coming and there's many places to explore. And I think that's the kind of fun of this whole kind of journey is that, you know, we're numbering our cans as the name of the beer. It's just like one, two, three, four. And you can be like, oh, I had number three was a New England IPA. And then you might have number 15, which is a, I don't know, kettle pine sour IPA or something <laughs> yeah. like that. <laughs> Keep going back to the side of pine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I had a marshmallow small sour IPA yeah. with chocolate chips and squirrel hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's got the dust from my Henry Hoover. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on Henry Hoover. I've got Henry Hoover. I bloody hate it. Oh, it's, no, I love my well, I live in a terrace house and it's so, like, it's too big for a house. Particularly it's definitely too big. It's, it's, especially yeah. with his big silly nose. And I just, he, like, you drag it. And because his his body's so big, I'm, I can't believe I'm ranting about this. Uh, his, bo- his body's so <laughs> big, and he don't move, and he falls over. I just find that I'm randomly going, stupid," you know, to myself, like I'm giving him a persona. I'm just like, what, "What's wrong with you, Nick? You've lost it. You've completely lost it." With yeah. I, I had my flatmate recently being like, "Oh, this is you know, we had to buy a Hoover," and he's like, "Oh, we should get a Dyson." And I was like, "No, man, Henrys are for life, not for Christmas." <laughs> We're getting a Henry. <laughs> See, I had the opposite conversation when I got married and that we, we when we rented, the owners had a Dyson and it was like, you need to turn it on, it would like suck up your house, you mm. know? And it was just like this monster. And I was yeah. like, I want a Dyson. And she was like, no, it's too, <laughs> I'm it's, never going it, back. It, it's too heavy. It's too heavy. Let's get Henry. He's got a smiley face and everything. You can just drag it around. I'm <laughs> like, okay, you know, we'll get Henry and stuff. And I'm just like, I knew I should have got a Dyson. <laughs> the only thing I found was that I couldn't get in the corner. Yeah, <laughs> you, can't, you can't take the bloody thing off. Yeah, good, good point, good point. There must be the perfect Hoover out there somewhere. See, what's, yeah, the, what's this podcast coming to? IPAs, pizza, Hoovers? <laughs> yeah. Maybe on the bomb show. It's, it, it's been great to chat to you, Milo, and all, all the best for Stan and Bruco. Like, I mean, I wholeheartedly recommend people um, try your beer if uh, IPA3 is anything to go by. How, how can people get on board now before you do the pine-infested squirrel beer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find us online at standardbrew.co. Uh, find us on all the social media platforms at Standard Brew Co. Um, yeah, give me a shout. If anyone wants to talk beer, just give me a message. Uh, you can find us, uh, you can buy the beer in a few select stores at the moment. It's just like three or four. You've got the beer and burgers that are selling them. I think they're probably the biggest ones. Um, if you're ever in uh, Kentish Town, it's kind of where I grew up, uh, my local pub around there, the uh, Stag, is selling it, which is very nice because I've managed to get my beer in the old locals. Oh, so. that's the, you just you live the dream now. The dream, yeah. <laughs> yes, you've made it. You've made it. You've made it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. And they also sell my pizzas, so... <laughs> well, it's that time again at the bar for another week of the Hot 4 podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify and all other good platforms. Be sure to visit hotforward.beer to find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. We make your beer look as good as it tastes and we help you brew up a better business through branding, marketing and consultancy. Remember to follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers and for another week. Cheers. Cheers.